Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to tell you about PicDrop, an image transfer tool I've been using almost every day for the past three years. Personally, I was sick of using old platforms like Dropbox and WeTransfer and wanted something that was more catered to photographers. PicDrop was founded by working photographers, so they understand what photographers need and are continually offering new tools to better organize and help deliver your images to clients. With PicDrop, I can easily organize all my photos in one spot, make custom folders for each job, and also send video files. One of my favorite features on PicDrop is that clients can make selections and leave notes, so it streamlines my workflow when I'm working on assignments with clients. PicDrop is a product I use every day and can personally recommend to anyone looking for a better image transfer tool And with today's episode, all you have to do is use the promo code BANTER when you sign up and you'll get receive two free months of PickDrop. All you need to do is go over to PickDrop.com and enter the promo code BANTER when you sign up and you'll receive two free months. So go over and give it a try and let me know what you think. Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne. And on today's podcast, I welcome back returning guest, photographer, Clay Patrick McBride. I was excited to get Clay back on the podcast. He's been working on some really cool projects as of late. Um, We actually did this podcast out on Cape Cod um, about a month ago while he was visiting and got to experience him. Uh, Clay's been working with uh, the tin type process a lot the last few years. Uh, So I got to see a demonstration on how he does the tin types, which was really exciting as I'd never seen that before. And I also sat down and talked to Clay about his recent experience with his artist residency out on Cape Cod, as well as his uh, recent cover he shot for Sports Illustrated and a bunch of other projects. Um, so it was really great to get Clay back on. He's a photographer respected for years and always a pleasure talking to him. So I hope you guys enjoy and thanks so much for listening. All right. I welcome back returning guest Clay Patrick McBride, a.k.a. Clay Breezy, is that your nickname? Cleasy McBreezy. Okay, cool. Local Clyde, and C- CP McBee. We're, we're coming to you live from Cape, Cape Cod. We're in East Ham, Cape Cod, uh, from the beach in my car. So it's, uh, it's a little different location than I normally record, but uh, excited, to, excited to talk to you again, man. You've been at an interesting summer, Sports Illustrated covers. You just had an artist residency down here. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. What was that, what was that all about? Yeah, so um, here in Cape Cod and the Outer Cape, um, near there's a long history of people making art in these dune shacks near Provincetown. And um, it's basically like most residencies, you have to write a letter of intention and submit some work. And I submitted some work. I got chosen and I spent three weeks at this remote dune shack. No electricity, no running water, no... We had a compostable toilet. Um, it was pretty, you know, remote living off the grid. And uh, and I made 10 types for three weeks. I've, I've fallen in love with this process, wet plate collodion in the past few years. Yeah. So we'll get to the 10 type stuff. Okay. With the uh, the artist's residency, have you done something like that before? No, no. And um, in fact, my... My wife's mother has been bothering me to apply uh, for this residency for many years, and I just thought, like, I would never get it, you know, because, you know, you have to be chosen for these residencies and stuff like that. So 
I just kind of dismissed it, but then I was like, you know, what the fuck? Let me let me go for it, and I fired off the letter of intention and um, submitted the work, and I got I got chosen, so it was beautiful. I, I really recommend anybody do an artist residency. Yeah, what's like? Because uh, was there other people there, or was it just you? It was just me and my wife in this shack. Um, we had a nice gentleman caretaker who'd drive us in some water every. A few days he would bring us in some water you know so we had water to do the dishes and to drink and uh take showers we had a like a camping shower out there it's you know um like a basically a bag shower um and uh yeah you kind of you know there was somebody in there before us and somebody in there after us so they do three of these residencies a year here in cape cod is it all photographers or different no definitely painters um you know I think photography is kind of more like writers. Um, um, you know, people do watercolors. The 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 shack was full of these journals of people who'd been there and kind of written their experiences in there, and they kind of did paintings of stuff in there and and all this sort of evidence of other people's experiences of the Dune Shack, which was cool. And like, what was the process? Because who runs the residency? Is it like? Uh... Um, I wish I knew the. Um... Is it like a gallery? Because I know there's a bunch of cool... There's so many thing, recent stuff out there, but it's like, it's just knowing where to apply. I know Massachusetts, they have an artist... Uh, I forget what it's like, the artist council or something every year. And my friend got it, uh, Janice, uh, last year, and they gave an artist, I think it's like five or $10,000 to basically... Mm-hmm. You just do whatever you want. Like, yeah. it was the same thing. Like, you had to write a proposal. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I'm, you know, who actually is in charge of the Dune Shack uh, Residency in Cape Cod. Is that what it's called? Is that what it's called? Yeah, Dune Shack Residency Cape Cod. And uh, there's, a, there's a couple different ones you can apply for. Uh, um, I, I'm forgetting the people who did it, but it is sponsored through um, like the, the, the National Parks Service has possession of this shack. And, and they're the ones who, like um, once a week, a ranger would bring a group of people on Wednesday afternoons to my dune shack and you know it was like show and tell I kind of showed them what I was up to and talked to them about who I am as an artist and what I'm up to and uh, I took some tin types of those people and stuff like that it was a good time did you run into that guy did you read that story in the New York Times earlier this summer it was like this old guy I think he was like 94 and he was like he was like a painter he was living out in like Provincetown in like a little shack yeah they're evicting him yeah yeah this guy named Sal yeah it was a pretty wild yeah. story um these dune shacks have been you know, people have been living in them. They kind of, people just took them over. You know, there these abandoned buildings that people fixed up. And so they were on the national seashore. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't exactly private property. Yep. So people have been having them in their family for years and years and years. But now many of these Dune Shack people are being asked to leave because of um, eminent domain. And they've kind of known it to be coming that eventually the parks were going to come and just take possession of this land and now they're being sold to like the highest bidder. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to put there. Cause it's not like they're going to build a hotel. They're not going to knock them down. They're going to actually, there's a, there's people bidding on them and people will reside in these shacks. You know, people will summer in these places and they have, they can bid, you know, between $2,000 and $16,000 for a season in this dune shack. And, uh, so, it's just, you know, it's a very local community that doesn't 
want to be kind of gentrified by like these out of towners, you know, yeah. you know, yeah, nothing on Cape Cod has changed in like a million years. Yeah. It's all, all the houses look the same. And that's why, that's why it's cool. It's like nothing. It's like, it's like going back in time a little bit. Like, yeah. Like we're, yeah. But w- with the residency thing, like what was your approach? Cause you had to write like a little like paper kind of deal to. Yeah, I did. I had to write a paper and what I wrote, I was, I was, I, it was really cringy, Alex, to get really, to be honest, like I wrote about, you know, Wow, I I feel so uncomfortable even saying this. I wrote about like, you know, before I even knew what God is, I think I had an experience in nature that was incredibly spiritual and that made me feel one with the world. Okay. And um, that, you know, as a young kid, just running through the forest and being completely present and, and, and having this sublime experience of nature is just something that was... Um, you know, incredibly spiritual to me. And like, and there was like a union between me and, uh, the land landscape. And I I wrote about that. Um, and I felt really uncomfortable. It felt really sappy and sentimental. I quoted Walt Whitman a couple different times and like, (laughs) um, you know, talking about the loudest sound is the bees buzzing and wanting to be in a place that was still and quiet to reset myself to, you know, um, reset my intention for life and um you know i i really wrote from the heart and from a very sentimental sickly sickly sentimental place so it wasn't really so much you were talking about your work it was more no i talked about what i would benefit from the residency how it would um rejuvenate me with a renewed vigor and enthusiasm you know like how it re- would reset me and how i've lived in major cities for many years and have been kind of driven by the life of the city that's like a frenzy and a sort of hectic 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 life cycle and about wanting to get away from that you know so you know there are people who you know might think you have to write like this big heady like scholarly sort of yeah. um paper to get into these things but I just wrote from my heart, and in fact, you know, when I was writing it, my wife wanted to go to the, she wanted to go to the beach and do something else, so I was like, hurryingly, I was rushingly writing this thing, you know, and sending it off so we could go out the door, and um, I'm so happy I got it, because it was a beautiful experience. It was, is writing something that you've done a lot of in the past, and are you like... Yeah, I think you have to write to be a creative person nowadays, especially with treatments. And, um, you know, I have to uh, write a little bit for my job. As a professor and a teacher, I have to write a lot of stuff. Uh, um, And, uh, you know, I I like reading. I think if you read a lot, you can write better. You know, when I'm reading more, I'm a better writer. Uh, So... Yeah, writing's writing's important. I think it's like uh, I think it's one of the hardest and highest forms of art there is, you know. And uh, it's also uh, I know this from like uh, it's a real skill to be able to like talk about your work or even like you know because you work commercially and like editorially like yeah. I do, and so much of that job is like there's like a sales aspect of it, and like when you're on a conference call and you have to explain how you're going to execute their vision. And you really kind of have to like be kind of a salesman, not like be full of shit, but like I, I, I learned from like assisting for years and getting to see 
be around other photographers and how they handle those conference calls. It's like a it's like a real skill to convey to talk about your work. Yeah, you know, conference calls are a thing because like I blew so many of them like early in my career that my agent would ask me to put a mirror in front of me and make sure I was smiling when I was on the conference call. You know what I mean? Just so that I like that I actually sounded Excited. enthusiastic and happy, you know, but she would ask me, Stephanie Anderson would say, you know, put a mirror in front of your computer, smile when you're talking to these people, you know, come from a place of like enthusiasm and passion, you know. Uh, what are the mistakes you made early on, we think? You know, I would get on the call and I would be like, um, I would just say things like, are you really sure about this idea? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like critiquing the thing that they've been working on for six months? <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, you know, because uh, I, I think I, I know a better way to approach this. And, um, you know, that's just not the first thing you want to say on a call. You want to, you know, be in love with their idea and sell their idea and, and, and be passionate about their idea. So those are the mistakes I made. And sometimes just uh, maybe just seeming a little bit gruff and uh maybe not as uh you know enthusiastic about the project i think i think that was a mistake i would make you know just kind of being quiet and maybe asking you know i would forget to ask a lot of questions you know um i think people really like it when you ask a lot of questions about their work and yeah you know you you want to be involved in it and and uh so yeah it's a weird I mean, it's hard but art and commerce and bouncing that and like still coming from a sincere place. It, it, it's a weird, I feel like you're, you've been able to bounce that better than anyone. Like, uh, I maybe I don't but like, you're like, you're like, a, when, I, when I look at your work and what you do, like you're a real, you're a true artist, but then you also do like commercial campaigns. Like you just shot a sports illustrated cover like yeah. a month ago. And like, how do you kind of, how do you kind of view it? Cause like the tin type stuff, it's really this, your passion. Yeah. And you're doing it for love of it. Obviously yeah. you, you'd probably love to do assignments with it too, but how do you kind of balance those two things? How do you view it? Um, well, you know, I, I'm just happy. I'm really happy when the phone rings and somebody wants to trust me to go and put my head in the lion's mouth and do whatever they want me to do, you know, to to, to shoot something. So yeah. um, I forgot the question you asked. Just like, you know, just like when you... Picking photography as a career, mm -hmm. any creative field, yeah, it's this weird thing where you kind of when you have to make your living from it, yeah, and you're trying to monetize it, yeah. But then so, same token, y you got into it from a creative, yeah, for your love of the creative, and you yeah. somehow have to navigate balancing both. And I feel like when I look at your work, you found a way to do that. Thanks. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I. I you know. Because did you ever feel like you needed to make work that was like gonna fit in a box for a certain client, or yeah, like that gets homogenized a little bit when you work for certain people. Yeah, that things just look like the things that they already do. Um, yeah, I think I think I've been, you know, as I've gotten older, I I think I've gotten more confident and I've been able to kind of. Um, not come from a place where I just want to make everyone happy with make the photo editor or someone happy with my work. I truly want to make my my work go somewhere that seems new and fresh and different. And 
I'm always looking for the work to be expanding in some sort of way. So like, what haven't I done before? What can I do a little bit differently here? Or, you know, how can I make it still seem cool? Because like, I guess one of my major fears is, you know, you know, Alex, I'm, I'm a professor. I teach at RIT yep. at the Rochester Institute of Technology where you went to school, a great place. Yep. And uh, I remember sometimes when I would go to my teacher's websites, the work looked dated. Or they hadn't shot in a while. Yeah. And, um, and it looked old and I, that's like the biggest fear of me. And like, I, I, I almost want like my, any of my students who maybe hear this podcast or, <laughs> or anybody out there, like when my work starts to look old, like, like just tell me that. And, um, yeah, you know, and that's like a major fear of me that it looks dated because I, I think I, my, my work is sort of classic or, or it, I don't, I don't even know how to just describe it, but, um, but it's not the true. It's maybe not on trend with what's happening now. You know, I don't know. I think I think we. I know you're exactly what you're saying because yeah. I definitely have professors when I looked at their work, and you could tell like because I I could imagine it could be easy picking a career like once you get into teaching and you just have a salary, you don't have the when you're freelancing you got to make work. Yeah, it's like Kareem Black always told told me this. He's like you eat what you kill and you have to, you have to, you have to constantly be feeding that machine uh-huh. or else you're not going to get new work. You don't have new work. Nowadays you got to have new works to poke, to post online, post on Instagram to let yeah. people know you're still out there. But like, I would imagine probably some of those guys who like, they got comfortable. They didn't, they didn't have the, they didn't have, there was, there was no one making them make new work cause they had a salary. Yeah. But at the same token, I don't think your shit's going to be because you love photography. That's you're true. you're you're creative, and I, you're the same way as me. Like, I feel like I, if I don't make anything for a while, like I kind of almost in a bad mood. I'm like, yeah. what am I fucking doing? Like, I'm just not doing, not yeah. contributing. You know? Yeah, but there, I mean, when I look at a lot of work, there's like this softness to work now, and this like lower contrast, and this like this like different sort of color palette that I'm not really a part of and I don't really identify with. And well, which is fine though. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's like, 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 yeah, you know, when, the, but it's kind of, that's a little more on trend, you know, or, you know, people like to shoot film. And when I see people shooting film, it kind of looks flat, like a bad scan or something. And, mm-hmm. and not like film, like I know film, like when these, these people who shoot film have never been in the dark room, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Like that, when I shot film, it still looked contrasty. It still looked good. Shooting chromes. Yeah, it didn't look like some weird flat. Yeah. Look, you know, I don't know. Yeah, digressed. The film, the film uh, thing is interesting. Like there has been like a super resurgence, uh, but the analog renaissance. Whatever. Hashtag hashtag film. Hashtag whatever. But. Uh, I'm I'm glad it's still around and the film's mm-hmm. still around. It's uh, but the, yeah, there is. I think people can get, get sloppy. Like I think uh, really understanding the craft and like because with the dark room, that's how I came up having to print process your own film yeah. and and really spend the time to like learn that craft. Now that it's yeah 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 when yeah it's weird when I shot when I photographed Jake Paul for Sports Illustrated, uh, he had like five guys around him all filming him. And they all had like these contacts, crazy point and shoot, mm-hmm. you know, cameras, and uh, they were all shooting film. And when they did this post, uh, they they did a post of the work 
some of it was mine and a few of the pictures were theirs. And I just think it looked, they're, they're, they're color, they're just the colors of this film and stuff just look so whack. And these guys, <laughs> you know, they think they love film, but they, they don't even know what a good fucking picture looks like. You know, I, I don't even know how to say it, but. No, I get it. And also, I, I think I have to remind myself, like, uh, er, like we've been doing this a long time. Like, other people, yeah. they're early on in their journey in photography, so there's a lot to learn. And the, it, Yeah. It, yeah, they just don't have the sensitivity to, to color, and and they haven't really studied it the same way that you and I have, you know? Even I, I would imagine, that must be the cool thing about being a teacher, is, like, you get these kids who come in out of high school, they're, like, 18, 19 years old, yeah. and you have them for four years. Yep. Have you have you seen the the progression of some of your students go from like this? Oh yeah, man, like zero to a hundred. Yeah, oh, it's it's uh, especially the ones that I graduated and, and and really like even some of them step right into shooting, which is amazing. You know, they don't even you know they might be assisting a little bit, but they're they're really trying to do their own thing and step out into their own power. And uh, I think that's the best part of the job. It's like. It's like the time lapse of the flower that opens or something like that, you know, to witness somebody's like growth and someone self-actualize, someone actually step into their power and their grace. And, and, uh, to watch that happen is what the, one of the best parts of the job, you know, and to, you know, I'm never really responsible for it, you know, like I'm not responsible for a student's growth, like whether they get it or don't, you know, I can just kind of, um, uh, put fuel in the fire, you know. Yeah, I've, you know? at least when I was at RIT, the thing I, because yeah, because in anything, it, it all comes to you. Yeah. How much, how much time, how much effort, how, how much you want to put into it. Yeah. But the thing, I, I really, I'm glad I went to RIT. Like, you don't have to go to photo school to be a photographer, like at all. Like, you can, if you have the drive, you can do it. And uh, but, but it's uh, it's it's what I say is it's like um it's like a crucible or it just, it accelerates things. Oh, 100%. Because the thing I was going to say is like, it just opened my eyes. Because when I went to RIT, I didn't, I came into RIT, only thing I cared about was skateboarding and skateboard photography. Like I knew who Atiba Jefferson was. I knew who Grant Britton was. I, I read Transworld Magazine, Thrasher, Slap. And that was all, that was my, that was photography to me. And that's all I wanted to do. I didn't know who Richard Averdon was. I didn't know who Mary Ellen Mark was. First week in school, you know who's talking there? Mary Ellen Mark. I've seen the Twins Project. I didn't know what an 8x10 camera was. And the, it was just having the exposure to this. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, that that's the thing I got out of going to school. Um, I, I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to do it. But I don't know. But yeah, it, 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 it's all what you want to put into it. Yeah, it's an investment. You know what I mean? And uh, and, I, and I do think that people, what people don't realize, uh, maybe they do realize, but I think when you go to a good school, you pay to become a part of a community, yep. you know, and, uh, and that community has access and privileges, you know, and, uh, it's just, it's just, it seems like education system and in, in that way is kind of flawed because it offers like privilege to privileged people, Exactly, you know, and, 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 uh, and not that there's like gatekeeping, but there's just... I don't know, relationships are everything. In college, you make a lot of relationships and it kind of leads to other things. Like, yep. you know, how many people do you work for, Alex, that are photo editors that you went to school with? Uh, I, don't know. I don't know that me. I, I, I know some people, yeah, definitely friends uh, who work in the industry for sure, who have helped, like, connect with people. Yeah, so it definitely is beneficial. 
But also, I feel like even if you can't, if you don't have the, or you're not able to go to school and you really want to do it, like I learned so much from assisting as well. Obviously, I learned RT too, and you can kind of build community that way. So there's, yeah. there's multiple ways to do it, I yeah. think. And uh, but yeah, this goes back to like, yeah, this guy, this woman, R- Rhonda Schaller was my teacher, and uh, she has this great book called Build Your Art Career, and it's a lot about meditation and self actual like like. Uh, visualization practices for your career Mm -hmm. she said it's all about research relationships and referrals you know and i really agree with her like like to be successful you need to do research you need to build relationships and referrals are the most golden thing in the world right yeah definitely just have a genuine interest in what you're doing and or who who you're reaching out to i know i really i learned that my my when i first started i was just kind of sending out cold emails and stuff but not really doing the research i should have then you realize you're like, oh, I should spend a little more time and like see what they're working on and actually like know what they shot last month and know what they're doing and like understand like their brand and all that stuff. And that's all, yeah, because it's like it's so many people are lazy. And if you do the little more effort, the photo editor is like, wow, thank you for taking the time to do that. You know, yeah. it's genuine. But uh, oh, yeah, I, I, you did mention the Sports Illustrated cover you did earlier this summer, I think. Uh, with Jake Paul, it just it's the it, it's the issue this month. It's Jake Paul on Sports Illustrated. He's like underwater. Um, how's that experience? Because I think you shot in Puerto Rico, right? Yeah, I had to go to Puerto Rico. It was in Dorado Beach, which is like this exclusive community uh, in Puerto Rico. Um, and uh, you know, everybody told me this guy was going to be a jerk. He's kind of known for being a jerk, and and he was really. He was really respectful of me. He'd done some research on me. I guess he looked at my Instagram. He was, you know, telling me how much he loved my picture of Kobe and some other pictures I'd taken. Wow. So, so he came into the room very respectful of me as an artist. And uh, and what's funny is, um, you know, I immediately challenged him and was like, because I wanted a Ferrari at the photo shoot, you know? and uh, And I was like, I was like, dude, where's the where's the fucking Ferrari? I need a Ferrari. And I'm like, you're a millionaire. I need a Ferrari at this photo shoot. You're <laughs> you're like an influencer. You Jake you're Jake Paul. Yeah. Get me a and he he got on the phone, and uh, and I, I told him this story about uh, when I was shooting Jay Z and and there's an army of motorcycles here in the distance. Maybe you can hear them on the podcast. Um, um, I told him this story about Jay-Z and I was like, you know, I was shooting Jay-Z, LeBron was there and I was like, yo, Jay-Z, why is LeBron here? And Jay was like, because I got reach. Ah, you know? So I was like, what kind of reach you got, Jake Paul? You know, get me this Ferrari. And he actually hooked it up. He talked to the dealer who was selling him. A, he, he was waiting for a Ferrari. It wouldn't be there for a few weeks, but uh, he's got it now. But but he hadn't had this Ferrari yet, so we got the Ferrari. He called this Ferrari DR. We're good. Okay, called this Ferrari dealer and uh, hooked up this Ferrari, and we went to the lot and took some pictures, which the magazine ended up running a couple of them. So, so okay, this is interesting, because I've had this happen before, where you get the call for the job, and the editor, or whoever the subject is, there's a narrative built up around them, like like you said, they're going to be tough, whatever. How do you approach that? Do, do you, well, yeah. I think people, you know, like... <laughs> Sports Illustrated has sent me to jail to photograph for them like three times. Okay. <laughs> so like, and you know, when they had to shoot Dennis Rodman for the cover, they called me. So like, I think whenever they're going to deal with some sort of wild knucklehead sort of, for some reason I get matched 
with these stories and with these people, maybe because I got tattoos on my head and I look like I've been in prison or something like that. You know, they kind of, <laughs> they kind of match me with these stories of these like badass characters. Like, you know, like I shot Alan Iverson, right? You know, I worked for many years with, you know, love him or hate him, Kid Rock, you know, like yeah. he, he is a badass kind of character. You know, I just kind of like my work kind of lent itself to that sort of thing. So I, I think it's funny that you get sort of categorized that way. Because you know? like when you, the Jake Paul shoot, like when they, when, when you, like you said, you think he might be difficult. Yeah. Do you go into that with like a certain type of swagger? Like when you're going into, or you just be yourself? Or like, um, how do you, when you show up to his house, like how do you... You know, I've had so few people really be difficult with me on set, you know, like, uh, and I don't know what that's about, you know, maybe that's about just being respectful, looking people in the eye, you know, giving them a good handshake, reading them properly, you know, telling them, um, you know, many, many times the, one of the first things I'll say to people is, you know, like, Hey, you know what? We both worked really hard to get here. Let's do something great. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh. And that just lets you know that like you're on the same page, you know what I mean? Like, like, um, and you know, many times I just say like, I'm here for you. What do you want to do today? You know, like, what you have any ideas about pictures you want to make or anything you in your head, you know, and let people know off the bat that like, you're not here to take their picture. You're not here to take something from them or reinvent them or reinterpret them or or, you know, these people are public figures, you know, they have an identity. It's about, I think, being respectful to that. Like, I don't know how David LaChapelle does David LaChapelle things, you know? Because he's and, David LaChapelle. Yeah, yeah, like, just gets the most unexpected. And you're Clay McBride, and your yeah. photos are your photos. Like, yeah. that's what I realized. One thing, uh, this is a, a, a funny story. I was photographing Larry Fink a couple of summer ago, summers ago uh, at his house, and... Larry, this he walks around with a little point and shoot, and he's just shooting everything like throughout his day. And I was sitting there, I was like, "Damn, I should probably do that." And he goes, "Why?" And I was like, "Oh, that." And his point was, "Is like you're not me, like, and it's different, and like you shouldn't do what I do, like uh -huh. only do if it like you feel yeah. like doing it, you know." But I respect him so much for getting like that picture of Eminem with the dynamite, yeah, you know, like holding the dynamite in front of his yeah, package, yeah. right, and screaming, you know. When I photographed Eminem, he, he didn't really talk to me. Oh, really? All day. Wow. He'd just look at his manager, and his manager would say, oh, no, Marshall's not going to do that, you know? And so I photographed Eminem for like, and I'm so stoked to photograph one of the greatest MCs of our time, and the dude won't talk to me all day. Is that just... It was just it, so weird. Is it just you know? like tense? I, I just picture that being a tense environment. You know, like he would he would take some direction if I told him how to move his head or something like that. Yeah. But I wasn't going to get him to hold a piece of dynamite in front of his <laughs> pecker and scream. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like David did. You know, uh, you know, it was um, it's funny the things you get really excited about and then you get there and you're like, wait, this isn't what. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because have you always had that confidence, like dealing with people, or do you ever get steamrolled by like uh, subjects? I guess, I guess I'm an, I'm a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I got a little steamrolled there. You know, um, uh, I think the camera helps help build confidence for me. If anything, you know, it's like 
Uh, you know, my, I, you know, my brother's a magician. Yep. I did magic as a kid. What's Ma- your brother? What's your brother? Let's put some respect on his name. What's yeah. his name? McBrideMagic.com. Love Jeff it. McBride. Hell Jeff, yeah. Jeff McBride. McBrideMagic.com. Check it out. Love it. Um, yeah, he's like the Michael Jordan of magicians. He's, he's, he's a goat. Yeah. Uh, so I did magic as a kid. That kind of prepared me and i did theater as a kid so i was like used to being in front of people and talking and i've always liked that you know yeah i mean i'm a teacher i'm about getting in people but a lot of times i'm fucking nervous as hell you know and uh and i just act as if you know like i think it doesn't matter what job i go into i'm always a little nervous i'm always a little on the edge and that just means i care about yeah exactly you, you, need, you need that a little bit yeah like if i wasn't that I, I don't, yeah, you know, sometimes I'm completely relaxed. It really depends on who I'm working with. But when you're working with, you know, challenging personalities sometimes and there's, uh, you know, it's, and, you know, the monitor's there and everything's coming in tethered. It feels like everyone's holding their breath and they're, are they going to like this picture or something, you know? And another thing you're really good at and it showed in the Jake Paul shoot is uh, you can go into a shoot and get, so many different looks in a short amount of time because with jake paul how long did that shoot how much did you get with them yeah that's my strength and that's always been my strength is uh is because um i came up in the music business and in the music business you had to do like 10 shots in a day 10 unique looks in a day you know that was what they wanted at least 10 if you did more than that even better Mm -hmm. but um so I learned to stick and move, to move quick. You know what I mean? To just get it, don't overshoot it, and move on. You know, and uh, I think sometimes, many times, it's not the first or the second shot that's really even getting me somewhere. It's the third or the fourth, or it's like it's deep in there yeah. where something starts to click, and something that I didn't expect to happen happens because. Many times I'll have a script and the script's like, we're going to do these three things and then we're going to go off the script and improvise. And sometimes number one thing, number two things are, are failing and I need to go off script much quicker and when I start improvising, things get better. But yeah, I like to give a lot of, you know, a lot of different looks to a shoot and uh, I don't know, I had maybe four hours with that thing. All right, so I didn't... Pretty good. I didn't use a photo assistant. Yeah. Uh, I shot up by myself. I was... I made a choice to just shoot it like uh, on camera flash mostly with this new sort of. Yeah, because like the more gear, because I made that mistake where if it's just you, because a lot of times editorial's not a huge budget or whatever, so it might just be you sometimes. You can't really be lugging around C-stands and shit. Yeah, I just was like, and and to me, it's about, it's about confidence too. It's like, it's like how little, how much, how much, you know, I always say he or she or they who can do the most with the least wins, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, so trying to do more with less. And I think, like, I've been so reliant on, like, stupid fucking Kino flows, four-foot Kino flows, like all these big, stupid production sort of lights that are just, yeah, you know, just not cumbersome and, and, and they just kind of look cool. But, but, but doing more with less is how i approached that shoot and i'm glad i did i mean the cover i did with a point and shoot camera you know uh, underwater underwater and uh put it on burst mode and sprayed and prayed because i can't even see through the viewfinder really when i'm underwater you know so like and he really brought it like jake really 
knows what he looks like, knows what it's like. He's had a camera on him since he's been 15 years old. Yeah. He knows how to project and like he promotes boxing fights. So it's like, yeah, it's hard to take a bad picture of somebody like that. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. It's like, yeah, the dude is just jacked, tattooed, got the, you know. But even like a shoot like that where you're going to Puerto Rico, you never, you didn't get like a scout day or anything, did you? Um, well, I drove around trying to find a place, but it's entirely gated community and I couldn't do anything. So we ended up having to shoot at the Ritz Carlton. And it was like a fortune to shoot in this suite, but we had like a beautiful suite. Um, and shout out to Margaret Schropp, who, Marguerite Schropp, who, Lucharelli, who let me spend the night in this baller suite at the Ritz. Oh, so you, you did, I thought you shot him at his house or it was. No, it was, he lives in that community, but he had okay. not, he, he didn't have the Lambo yet and he, or he didn't have the Ferrari yet and he didn't have the house yet. He was just about to move into his new place and get this new car. So, okay. Yeah. No, the photos came out amazing. Thanks. You, you were happy with it? Yeah. It felt good, man. It's like, uh, it's funny. You know, social media is funny and it's like, you can take a great picture of nobody and there's no real dialogue about it, but you take a great picture of Jake Paul. And there's like more likes and comments on that picture than anything outside shot, you know, any other picture on, on social media. It's like, for some reason, that dude has such gravitas on that platform, love him or hate him. People are going to comment or say something about him. And, uh, like more than Jay or Iggy pop or, you know, like Kobe or, you know, these big names, like, like like people have more to say about jake paul than anybody it's kind of strange but even like when you look at your own work like obviously you're shooting you photograph so many like uh influential people or whatever when you look at your whole body of work what's the work that like means the most to you you think means the most to me uh the work that means the most to me uh when you look at like i'm proud of that like yeah um yeah, you know, I, I took some really great pictures of this guy, Indian Larry, the motorcycle builder, uh, who died, um, but he's from Williamsburg, and really proud of those pictures. Uh, um, I, of course, I really love the Oval Office stuff I did with Jay-Z and Kanye West, you know. Uh, I'm really proud of that. Uh, um, gee, I, you know, I don't know. It's like... It's such a restless and weird feeling with your work, you know, in your archive, you know. Uh, um, yeah, it's hard. It's, like... it's it's a lot of people who have passed, you know, like Dimebag Daryl or Eddie Van Halen or, um, you know, some, some really great people who aren't here anymore mm-hmm. who, um, who you realize, like, maybe I didn't realize at the time when I was photographing them that, like, what a privilege it was to photograph somebody and how, you know, pictures are lasting and they're like, they have, they lead to someone's immortality in a, in a way, you know, like DMX, yeah. you know, I took some great pictures of DMX, you know, like the people who aren't with us anymore. I think those pictures hit harder because, um, they're like ghosts or something, you know what I mean? They like, they like, they're like haunted images, you know? Yeah. No, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, another thing I was excited to talk to you about, and I got the opportunity to, uh, be photographed by you today. You've been last couple of years, two, three years. I think you've been getting into tin types. Yeah. Uh, how, how did that kind of come about? And, uh, yeah, it was a really cool experience kind of getting to see you work on it today. Right on. Thanks, Alex. Um, 
it was fun to photograph you, and it was a lot of trial and error, as it always is in that process, a lot of falling on my face. It's like skateboarding, and skateboarding, Dan Hughes says that skateboarding makes um, good photographers because they understand failure. Yeah. Right? So um, there's a lot of failure in tonight's today's experimentation, uh, um, as there always is with 10 times. But, um, you know, so I, I teach at RIT, and... Uh, there's a lot of there's a couple people up there that are doing it. There's a guy named Willie Osterman who teaches a class in Tintype, and there's his TA is this kid. A few years ago was this kid named Joe Maddie, and Joe Maddie um, is an analog wizard, and he taught me how to Tintype. And then I took Willie's Osterman's class, and I further studied with Willie Osterman and learned Tintyping from him, and um, and then I've just been practicing it. I have like a whole dark room and set up I it's put, a kit that's even yeah. it's 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 quite an undertaking <laughs> yeah it's a, it all goes on a cart i push the cart to the skate park by my house i photograph a lot of skaters there the style of it really lends itself to like gritty asphalt cowboy sort of pe character people troubadour skater filthy punk rock skater people it just kind of fits their vibe really well and uh and i love it because um I think the longer you practice photography, the harder and harder it is to like uh, renew your effort, renew your enthusiasm, renew your sort of your love of it, you know? So something about making these pictures with my hands and smelling the chemistry and and being the author of every step of the process is, uh, it's like some voodoo black magic wizardry you know it, it's alchemical it's it's just it's intoxicatingly it, it has me it has me in its grips like i, I could do it I, i'm loving it I'm loving it yeah yeah because i think a couple weeks ago when we talked i i kind of been feeling like that a little bit myself because i've been doing photography since i was like 14 so it's like shit man like almost 30 and no, like 25 years or something and uh, the longer you do it, like, you got this bag of tricks. Like, you know how to make a good picture. But I feel like I, at a certain point, I feel like sometimes I get, like, routine. Like, I'm doing the same thing. Like, even this baseball project I've been doing for years, I look forward to it every summer. But I kind of just get, like, repetitive. And it's like, have you had that before in your career where it's like you, you, you kind of get, like, like, there's a lull or something? Yeah, it's, you know, like, I, there's, like, an aha moment I'm always looking for, you know, like this something I haven't seen before, you know, this sort of that aha moment where you feel like your breath is taken away and like, oh my God, I made that, you know, that, that feeling is the feeling I've, I've chased for a long time. And, uh, I found that in Tintype. Um, but it's, it, it's been, it's been hard to find it a lot of ways in, uh, like on assignment, you know, where on assignment, you really just got to nail it, you know, and, and you can't go, you, you, you really can't go into, well, I think you, you need to save time at the end of your shoot to go into some uncharted water and to do something you, maybe that you feel a little uncomfortable about or a little reach about, or there's a stretch that you're stretching yourself a little bit, you know, I think you should always save room in an assignment to do that. Like the Jake Paul underwater thing was that, that, that wasn't like, you guys didn't think that was going to be the cover. Like we well, started. They, they had the sports illustrated had the Muhammad Ali picture on oh, the okay. board. And, uh, yeah. and I, and I, I wanted to reference that, but stay totally away from it. You know, like I didn't want to shoot a full length picture of him with a, 
that look like the yeah Muhammad Ali picture. That would have been no, no. like there's that he's not that you know different. <laughs> yeah, like you can't put you can't yeah you can't bite that hard off of a grape shot like that. Uh, um, so with somebody I don't know. Um, so. So, yeah, like, just trying to find that aha moment. And, like, you know, what's cool is, like, I'm always doing, like, lighting demonstrations for students. And, and I'm always kind of practicing things I know mm-hmm. for school. But then I try to do I try to do something that, like, I don't know about. Some sort of experimental in-camera technique. Or a lot of stuff with lighting like that where you're just trying to get something unexpected to happen with lighting. For me, I, I'm always looking for, it's not so much your technical stuff sometimes, it's like, I'm looking for that next story. You know, something that's like, hasn't been told before, and it's like, they're hard to find, because like, everything's been photographed, and that's like, and there's something, you, and like, with that, like, you can't force it, like, it's, you, you, hopefully you'll stumble upon it, and you know, it, it it takes time, but yeah, I think, I think for me, watching you do the tintypes, is this exciting for how long you've been doing photography, and how much you've accomplished, that you're like, it's still at this point, you're still learning and trying something yeah. new. Yeah. yeah, and it's slippery, you know, like you don't nail it every time. I, like, yeah, I watched it. It was yeah. cool. It took us like, what, four four to get the one we need? We five. Got. It took five pictures to get a, a great one. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, um, so, so yeah, it's like dialing it in. It's, 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 uh, it's a slippery slope. Like uh, the ISO is like negative one or something, you know, like it's such a slow exposure and to just figure out where the exposure is and exposure changes with the time of year and the time of day and then mounting UV that's in the sky. And, and, and so, so there's a lot of things that determine it and uh, that are like gremlins in the process that just sabotage you and make it, make it, beautifully disastrous you know yeah man it is like i grew up skateboarding it's like learning to kickflip it ain't easy yeah you know, like i yeah it took me a lot thousands of tries before mm-hmm. you get in the one that you figure it out you're like yeah okay but i think that's what's so rewarding about it is like when it hits it hits harder because it's something that i don't know there's just like digital photography is a beautiful thing it, it accelerates the learning and everything's so easy and everything's so sped up with it. It, it well nowadays you don't even need to focus like the r5 i have not like you literally don't even need to focus anymore the diet's crazy like you don't need to focus you can be five stops over or under like it's like it's I, it, it's cheating dude at this point like you know <laughs> it's crazy totes but i guess with the tin type stuff like is there anything you're hoping to do with that moving forward or yeah well um you know, it just one thing I gotta say about it is it's like I feel like it speaks the language it speaks my language. Like like it's just such a good mix. The the aesthetic is like gritty and there's a lot of imperfections in it and um it uh the blacks are just so rich and it's so sharp because it's with a view camera. I don't know, there's just so many things about it that I identify with that I, I love it. So yeah, I um I've had some commissions with it, which, you know, I did uh, this great guy named Steve Cohen, who's a magician in New York. He hired me um, and uh, this cat named Justin Baruki, who's a great photographer and does tintypes. He was very generous in, in helping me with a lot of stuff. And he actually hosted us in his studio. I used his camera. He ran the chemistry and it was like, it was great. Justin's a great 
um, colleague and you know, there's a generosity in the community of tin types of people sharing information. There's no gatekeeping. There's people who want to want to get you there, which has been awesome. Yeah, because you know? it's an undertaking. Like, yeah. it's if you really want to, like, share, not only is it, I think it's important to share, to keep this, like, uh, process going uh -huh. and keep doing it and keep training yeah. people, but it's like, yeah, like, if anybody really wants to do this, man, like, Go for it because it's yeah. it, it, it's not easy and it's uh it yeah. takes a lot of lot of like tools to to make it happen. Yeah, so I wrote a like a pitch deck for clients um to pitch to to like an advertising client because I could see it really lending itself to Carhartt or Filson mm -hmm. or like a heritage company like Levi's or Lee Jeans or you know um, so many companies that are you know sort of blue collar Americana sort of look could could. You know, there's something about how the picture's made, and then there's something about like the hard work that's done in certain clothes that I think is like a good match. You there's know, like, a lot of texture to it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the, yeah, I have some, you know, and even Nike SB. I mean, there's some people that I have my sights set on that you know, me and my Asian are kind of reaching out to. We're sending uh, this pitch deck to people with with some images, and it would be nice to recoup on the. Uh, enormous amount of money that I've put into chemistry and silver and tin <laughs> and, and <laughs> yeah and the, you have a gold tripod so you know <laughs> I do have a gold tripod uh get that a beat inch if you need it no nah, it's exciting man and uh I guess to wrap up man like you've been at this a long time photography what what kind of keeps what keeps you excited and like what's what's next for you man well what keeps me excited is like the camera the camera is like a magnet for people and places and events and things in my life. It's constantly drawing. Even even here in this conversation and this car and Cape Cod and the sand dunes of First Encounter Beach, you know, like how the fuck did I get here? Yeah. You know, the camera got me here, you know? Yep. The the vision got me here. You know, the the journey is the journey that the camera takes you on is the most beautiful thing there is, you know? So I say it's like a passport or a compass, you know, like if you really commit to photography, you know, and you give it a hundred percent, that camera will take you, it's taken me all over the fucking world. You know, it's, it's a, it's an amazing instrument of connecting with people, places and, and stuff, you know, so that keeps me going, you know, um, yeah. Any, any other projects coming up or this, we still got to see Hustle in the Tin Types, and I know you got yeah. Hustle in the Tin Types. Um, I got a show coming up in uh, Rochester in November. You have a anybody who's in Italy? Uh, any we got any oh, Italian yeah. listeners out there? Clay has at one of the coolest shows. It's in Cortona, Italy, which is this like hill town in Tuscany. They have this. It's called Cortona on the Move. It's like a, it's like this photo exhibit that goes throughout this entire town. It's got like ten or. 15 different exhibits in clay. I think you have what your Jay Z. Yeah, I have Jay Z. I have quite a few pictures there. I got a picture of 57 and Jay Z and Khaled and Kanye. And um, they, they ordered like seven pictures of mine in that show. So that's great, you know? Um, and there's some great people in there like Janet Beckman. And, and there's some amazing, amazingly great photo photographers in that show. So that's cool. And in November, I will be showing my tintype work at the um, University Gallery in Rochester. Um, 
Yeah, and I'm excited about that, like how to install it. I was thinking about doing some wheat paste with it. And it'll be fun for the community because one thing I haven't mentioned is like, you know, you know, I started photographing the, the skate park in my neighborhood and then I realized that skate parks represent something so beautiful that it's like a place where everyone's welcome. It's very, oh, yeah. you know, diverse community. It's very inclusive community. Yep. And in Rochester, you don't have black people and white people and all these people mixing, you know, queer people, young people, old people, like all, everyone's mixing there. And it's like this utopia. It's like this place where, um, it's encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's a beautiful thing. And it, it, it represents like a level of consciousness that I think the world needs to get to, you know, like the skate park is a very welcoming place, you know? And the coolest thing about like, cause I've skateboarded my whole life and you can go anywhere in the world. Like I can go in, like for, when I first moved to Rochester, didn't know a soul. First thing I did, I, I knew I went straight to Crudco, the local skate shop. And I just introduced myself. And then like that night I was at the owner's house for like a barbecue and then I started skating with them. And it's like the same thing anywhere you go. Like you go to a park in France or a park Even in Florida, Cuba, yeah. whatever. And it's it's literally the same. That's the yeah. coolest thing about skateboarding. It's yeah. really just like you always have it, the community you have somewhere to yeah. go. So I'm really excited about like uh, how, how I've seen that community and how I've chosen to photograph that community. I'm really excited to see them celebrated in this show and then come to the show, you know, like like I want the kids to come and, and all the people in the pictures, you know, it's just this kids, it's all, all kinds of people in the pictures. So I'm excited about them to come and um, they actually skate right in front of the place where the, where the gallery is at the Liberty Bowl there. So, uh, hell yeah. You know? So they'll, they'll be right there. I'll be short commute for them. Dope. Well, Clay, it's always a pleasure, man. And I'm glad I got you back on here and, uh, can't thank you enough, man. You've always been a, a good friend and uh, uh, always give me advice when I look for it and uh, appreciate you, man. Thanks, Alex Gagne. Cool. So there you have it. That was the Clay Patrick McBride episode. Uh, I want to thank Clay so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It's always a pleasure talking to him. He's a really creative dude and he's always just working on a cool project, so always a pleasure. Uh, definitely go check out more of Clay's work on his website at claypatrickmcbride.com. As well as you can go follow him on Instagram at Clay underscore Patrick underscore McBride. I'll put all the link in the description and you can go check out his work and give him a follow. And also, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, with this episode, uh, if you go to pickdrop.com and enter the promo code BANTER when you sign up, you'll get two free months of the PickDrop image transfer tool. Like I said, been using the, the image transfer tool for almost three years now. Um, use it every day. Can't uh, recommend it enough. So definitely go check out PickDrop and let me know what you what you think. And this enter the promo code BANTER when you sign up at PickDrop.com and you'll get two free months. And thanks so much for listening. I got more episodes coming. And thanks so much.